All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Matt Ryan uh, on the podcast, All Roads Lead to Real Estate. And I am uh, proud to have a guest, a personal friend of mine who's in real estate. We pretty much started at the exact same time. And uh, I think you have uh, developed quite a bit and grown. I, I think we're somewhat similar versions of our old selves, but we're definitely a little bit different, a little more seasoned by now. Mm-hmm. And so this is Steve Pip. So uh, some of you will be listening and will know Steve. Um, he is much more well-connected and socialized and mm-hmm. and out there than I am personally. So uh, he is well-connected. And so thank you, first off, for joining me. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And so... Um, I just wanted to give a little background uh, related to kind of your performance and what you've done. And so you started back in what, 2015? Correct. So that's about eight years mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. So in real estate world, that's not too long, I don't think. No, but it seems like it's been a lot longer. Right? It feels like you've done three <laughs> careers already, right? For sure. Yeah. So it's not too, too bad, but you, you've already racked up here. It looks like over almost uh, a quarter billion dollars in sales. So mm-hmm. well over $200 million in sales at this point. Um, and you're continuously ranked as a top agent back when you were at Keller Williams, back when we started together at KW. Correct. Yep. And so you quickly did that and you've been featured in numerous magazines, Baltimore Real Producers Magazine. You're consistently ranked in the top 1% of agents nationwide. And you've had a journey, which we're going to get to, but to present day, not only are you an agent producing, but you've also gone a broker route. Mm-hmm. And so you've um, developed a business outside of the traditional agent model mm-hmm. where you're now supporting other agents in their business, which is interesting. I think most people never get to that step. And so you've had that journey all in eight years. It's been amazing. So yeah. it's a it's it's nice to, to interview somebody that has had that that wild, you know, that large of a variance in such a short period of time. Sure. So um, congrats on all of that, my friend. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And so really the first thing, and I wanted to be just organic, what would I really want to know? Because I talk to you all the time, but not in this setting. This is a little more formal, right? Sure. A little bit. So I wanted to know back when I met you um, back at KW, when we first joined, you were part-time, right? So what were you doing prior to jumping into this world of real estate? Sure. So I graduated college with an international business degree, and I got into international trade or trade compliance, logistics. And so I did that for eight years. Um, and then eventually got bored in my job. I, I took on a managerial position and just had more time on my hands. And I said, you know what? This whole investing in real estate, where this was blowing up in 2014, uh, flipped this house. All right, so let me learn more about this, see if there's an opportunity here. Um, so dove into that and realized, okay, I don't have the capital to invest and don't have the resources. Probably not best fit for investing. However, let's give the sales side a shot. Didn't have any kind of close friends of mine that were agents in my sphere and uh, did that for two and a half years from 2015 to 2017 and June of 2017 left full time. So you were making decent money at the time, right? In the old gig. Sure. So you're making pretty good money. So how do you have the confidence at, you know, and and what ultimately led you to say, you know what, I'm just going to rip the bandaid off, go full time. Yeah. Because everyone perceives that as like that risky moment. There has to be a point where you have to make that leap of faith, right? And for me, it took probably a lot longer than it should have been. Um, so for me, it was if I can save up at least six months of exp- expenses uh, in my um, uh, for personal car rent at the time, uh, whatever it may have been, then I, I would then make that leap. And I, again, I probably could have done it a lot sooner, um, but at some point, 
when I made my salary in one month commissions in February 2017, that was my calling. That's when I said, okay, went to my boss and I said, I love you. I love the company, but there is a bigger opportunity that I'm, I'm looking to, to try. And he said, go for it. And I said, I will stay here until I find my replacement. So I will stay here until we can hire somebody. I will train them. I will make sure that you're not having any gaps in your business. And that took about four months to probably get somebody hired plus trained. Wow. And then I left. Gracefully. And, and how many deals would you say you were able to do while you were still part-time? Yeah. So I, 2015, uh, I sold my first home in March, 2015. Uh, that year I sold 26 homes. Uh, my first year in the business, about nine months. And then 2016, I had sold 45 homes. And 2017, I hit 99 homes, uh, half part-time, half full-time. And how many hours a day would you say this takes both jobs? I mean, was this... Uh, 30 hours. 30 hours? <laughs> I'm just joking. It's, it's two full-time jobs, right? For yeah. sure. Real estate itself is, is two full-time jobs. Yeah. Um, so I'm working from 7 a.m. In, in the office till about probably 10 p.m. at night. Um, and I was able to kind of do some real estate while in the office, my, my, uh, boss at the time allowed me to sort of run out and meet an appraiser or inspector or right. uh, something quick, right. During my lunch break and I would make up for it. Yeah. And so to put this in perspective to those that are listening, that's an inordinate amount of volume for someone that new that mm -hmm. isn't very typical. Um, you're not going to see it repeated that often. And it's. It's just a create. It's it's the motor. So when I think of you, I think of a never stopping motor. It's wild to see you in action. Yeah. Um. I mean, we've roomed together on like conferences and things, sure. and you just you can multitask simultaneously, and you're never off of your phone. Nope. It's pretty wild. Mm -hmm. And so even when you go on vacation for a couple of days, it's going. No, yeah, for sure. And so I think, uh, would you just be bored just out of your mind if you had a traditional nine to five and I mean, have you ever considered that? Just no, like at this point in our life, you know, working for ourselves and having the the workload that we have and how full our plate is, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. Yeah. I enjoy having a high level of stress and chaos. I yeah. operate that way. If I had nothing, uh, if I was disconnected for a week, I probably would lose my mind. I normally would say, yeah, I nod my head and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when someone says that, but no, I I yeah. agree with you. I yeah. think you would go yeah. crazy. Yeah, for sure. I've joked with uh, people that know you uh like mutual friends that if we hid your phone for two days i i think your head would explode i probably go crazy yeah sure sure um so okay so let's go back so you've you started full-time and i guess how was the transition for you when you started so mm -hmm. you decided to become an you know a full-time agent do you remember how that felt did you feel oh, yeah it was nothing different in the beginning because i was doing everything that i was doing when i was part-time right so i was writing my own offers uh doing the client communication, agent communication, vendor communication, uh, walking the deal all the way through, updating them just uh, the way I did when I was in logistics, right? In logistics, it's dispatch the pickup, it gets back, you put on a pallet, you weigh it, you measure it, you book it with the airline, you ship it, it gets there, it lands, clear through customs, deliver it. It's the same steps. So that that's what sort of helped me sort of get there a lot faster. Um, so... It wasn't a hard transition into real estate when I started to sort of, and, and honestly, 99 homes in a year, I didn't stress or have any sort of like major issues, you know? Um, however, at some point in time, I knew that in order for me to grow further, I needed to hire leverage. And that's what I did in October, 2017. That was your first administrative hire? Correct. 
Yep. Got married that month, went on my honeymoon that month, and I hired my first assistant. Shout out to Cheryl. <laughs> She's been along for all She's of She's a huge support. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and so one of the thoughts I had as we progressed through the last, you know, few years of your career, you know, what advice would you give the former, you know, the, the younger version of yourself now having gone through this journey and learned so much over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. like, what would you say to yourself now? Like, is there anything you would do differently or, you know, what would you do with the knowledge you have now back then? Yeah. Um, I think using, uh, for one, you know, uh, when I wasn't making uh, a certain amount of money in a year, I probably could invest uh, that money. However, I would have had uh, strategic moves in investing in real estate right out of college or even while in college. Um, so probably buying real estate sooner than I did. Uh, I didn't buy my first investment property until 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that- And, and also, you have a portfolio now, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yep. So we uh, have 35 homes in our portfolio currently, um, consistently adding more opportunities to it if we can. And that's the goal for me is 100 units at some point. And that's where I say that I will take my foot off the pedal, but I know that's not the case. It's not going to be the case. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. But do you go by units when you think of that in terms of a portfolio, or do you think of eventually the income that it could derive, like the you know the revenue stream monthly? Yeah. Or do you focus just on units for now? Uh, I would say it's a combination of both. I think the when I typically buy an investment property, it doesn't um, have less than a ten percent return on investment. So uh, I know that that's always going to be you know there. Um, and I would say doors is probably what I'm most focused on. When you say 10%, I want to be clear. So if, if you buy something, let's say for 200,000 is your estimate, or this is what a lot of investors would choose. Mm-hmm. They're going to rent it for 2000. Mm-hmm. Is that the simple math that you try to keep it to? Sure. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know some, some people might hear that and go, what is he talking about? 10%, but that's what you, that's what you're returning. That's correct. Got it. Yep. Well, that's hard to do occasionally, right? In these markets, especially if you want to buy in a decent area. In the current market, it's very challenging. Yeah. Especially where uh, rates have increased to a certain number and it's hard to capture the same profit that you were making before uh, because you're, you're maybe making the same cap rate. Uh, however, your now uh, bar- capital to borrow the money is is increased significantly. Right. Yeah. It has. It's, it's tough out there. But um, I helped several people this week go and manage to find things, mm-hmm. still get them. The deals are still out there. They're 100% out there. So regardless of the market, people still have challenges that people still need to sell, even in distressed fashions. Right. That yep. people still pass away. There's still estates. There's still right. They're still going to happen. It yep. still happens. So, um, okay. So you've gone, you've gone full time at that point. You've had a couple years, you've increased production. What's the next step? Why did you, you said you wanted leverage. That's why you had the first admin hire. Mm-hmm. What did it look like after that? Now you have an admin hire, then, then what's the progression? Yeah. So what they taught us in, in KW, KW Keller Williams, where we uh, have worked together, uh, listings lead and leverage, right? So, uh, for me, in order to grow, um, I, ne- I probably needed to get more leads coming in. Uh, and I did at a certain point. And there was a time where I couldn't service all of my business plus the incoming leads at a high level. And I was leaving these people. Right. I was sacrificing something, whether it's my time, or my um, my happiness, or one of these two buckets. And so I then had uh, an agent join me who was a friend of mine at the time in the first quarter of 2018. Uh, we had, uh, he worked a lot of my sign calls, internet leads, things that I didn't have a close relationship to. And he would service that business and did fantastic at it. And then over time, uh, the, the idea wasn't to grow large. Um, it was to be very lean 
but I had two good friends, actually no, four good friends that have reached out and said, we see what you're doing and we want to be a part of it and let's do it. And I said, the answer is yes, and I'll figure it out. So uh, those are still with me today. And that was in the summer of 2019, six agents, one admin, probably not lopsided for some some teams or companies, um, but I wanted uh, the highest form of leverage and support, hired a second admin, and then kept growing beyond that. And I think just, you know, once again, to clarify the reason why that's kind of out of model, but a lot of people operate out of model for periods of time, it's we're, we're taught to be hiring at least two admin hires first yep. prior to ever hiring leverage on the agent side. That's correct. But life is different, right? So mm-hmm. when you have people that you feel are talented and you trust them and they want to be a part of it, mm-hmm. it's really challenging to say, no, thanks. I have to follow the model now. It's impossible. Yeah. It's life doesn't happen, you know, perfectly. No. But, and then you learn and you make mistakes and grow and figure it out. That's right. I mean, I don't know there's anything, you know, better than that, but, um, okay. So you've had a few agents, you've had a team and you Mm -hmm. called it right. The SP home team. That's right. Steve Pip home team. Mm -hmm. And that was in operation for like, I know it's kind of shifted now. Yeah. We started in 2018 and and we were a team up until, uh, I guess May of this year. Yeah. And so what's transition? So you went from KW and you left KW, you decided to do what exactly? Yeah. So started a, a boutique brokerage in May of 2023. Um, and I, I did this because I was trying to build and grow and you either have to be very lean, right? Or be very big to be successful. That middle that messy is tough. middle, it's yeah. tough. And I was there for several years. Um, where I was covering expenses, but I was not making a, a significant profit. My profit was my production, right? right? So if I stepped out of production, we're not profitable. And that's the vast majority of teams out there. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So in order for me to grow, I had and scale, I needed to just get more people, more agents. And I had uh, friends of mine that were great producers selling anywhere from 10 to 20 million in production that unfortunately wouldn't work for the SP home team. And I understand why. Uh, however, I wanted to work with them. Can and you elaborate on sometimes, not just them, but in general, why sometimes would it not be a fit? I would say in most cases, it's probably a little bit of ego and having something of their own that they don't want to, they want something that they're prideful of. And, you know, and I respect that, you know, right. it's some, in some way you have to have an ego in this business. You do. Um, but that, that was restricting me from probably recruiting some other producers because they didn't want to work underneath of me. And that's right. how sometimes it's looked as, um, even though I don't look at it that way, I always say work with me. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, however it, it is optics wise that look. And so it, what happened was I created a brokerage. I folded the team into the brokerage to allow those team members of mine to create their own team if they wanted to, which nobody has yet, because I think that what we offer as a brokerage is a team, right? right. We offer the same services that I had for my team all different departments is now for the entire brokerage. And I think that's a relatively unique model. So in the world of brokerages, we have the lean and mean, we call them 100% brokerages where the, you might pay a desk fee, Yep. you might pay two, three, four hundred $400 a month, and, and maybe you also pay an admin fee per file, mm-hmm. but the rest is yours. Correct. And then you have the other extreme where I started, which was Long and Foster, Back in the day, they would take a huge portion. After commissions. Yes. Yeah, so they take a large portion and and it was just very different. Now that mm-hmm. model is starting to be more difficult to 
to recruit to. Correct. And so a lot of folks are somehow trying to provide additional value and in, in resources and services to agents while still trying to limit, let's say, their exposure to to fees. Correct. Right. And be more profitable to the agent. Mm-hmm. And so you've adopted that model. Correct. Yeah. And, and you got to find. So the, the conversations I have with people are. And they're always asking, what are your splits? You know, the first question should be, what do you do for the agents, right? Because in the conversation of commissions and compensation, when you have no value, it's it's non-existent, right? Yeah. The, so in absence, what's the old saying? In absence of value, cost is everything. That's right. Correct. Yeah. So uh, we offer a high level of service. And for that, you're paying towards the services. Because I know that you on your own cannot afford to have these people in your life and your business to support you in this way. So, but through economies of scale, we are able to. And, and and growing allows us to hire deeper in those departments in more services. Because anybody that has a team or attempted to have a team in, or, or honestly, any business, it's not just real estate. Sure. But really, truly, the most difficult part of our job is to find talent, recruit mm-hmm. talent, mm-hmm. keep talent, motivate talent, and to pay them and to right. make sure whether the, there's bumps in, in any monthly, quarterly business, mm-hmm. you have to support people. Yep. And that is challenging. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt about it. A lot of us have made hiring mistakes. And sometimes it's not just the hiring mistakes, we're the mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I've, I find that in real estate all the time. We need people, we hire them, and we don't know how to, to properly train them mm-hmm. or give them the tools they need to do well. And it's difficult. Yep. So sometimes a model like you're suggesting you could eliminate that entire pain point mm-hmm. and just say, we've trained them and they're good. They're they're set. Don't right. think about that. You yeah. need to focus on what actually makes you money. Yep. The time and effort it takes to find somebody qualified and talented is challenging. And to keep them accountable and train them is challenging. Yep. Uh, so there's a lot on your plate when you have a hire like that. It sounds easier than what it is, uh, but I can tell you that it is not simple. No. I mean, it's certainly worth it, but it is, it's, it's hard. It's, it's a journey for sure. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the toughest pieces. So how would you at this point? So now you, I mean, let's, let's also, and I'll have the links and everything in the description, but Vibe is the name of the brokerage. Vibe Realty, correct. Right. V-Y-B-E. Yeah. V-Y-B-E. That's right. Yeah. You're on social all over there. You're feeling the vibe. So you just had a golf tournament too the other week. We did. It was a good success. Great. That's awesome. Um, I completely suck at golf, so I, I can I'll write a check Next to support. Year show the, up. Yeah. I'll show up and have some beers. We'll and I'll out. write a check for you guys. But That's I, right. I don't know if I'm gonna actually participate. I'm yeah. Horrible. It's fine. Um but that I mean I think that's amazing. So I, you've kind of highlighted on that, but how has how is this different, let's say, than some of the competition that's out here that have been in business for a long time? So how mm-hmm. what's the typical difference that you would describe it? Like yeah. your model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're right. There's 100% models out there, which it sounds great, but you're getting nothing for it. Um, we offer a, a scaling model uh, based on production and experience, and you, you get the services um, that you need, right? So administrative support, listing management, all expenses, marketing runner services, CRM management, um, your own assistant, right? So they can frankly do anything that you need them to. How does that work? So if if I was an agent, solo agent came in, you're telling me I have an assistant through Vibe? Mm-hmm. Correct. Interesting. Now, they're not going to do your dry cleaning or teach you how to play golf, Yeah, but they will do just about everything else. Really? That's right. Interesting. So that's an, that's an interesting model. I wasn't even aware that that... So do you have a couple folks that are just like in the office ready to help when you... So we have some office uh, agents uh, or admin, sorry, 
and we have uh, more than the in-house that are overseas. Got it, virtual. And so we have about 10 uh, in the Philippines. Oh, gotcha. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a great model. So, and are, are you emulating or copying other people that you've seen do this outside of our marketplace, or is this just all the Steve Pip brainchild? No, I think that you always have to, you know, look at your um, role models and, and competition and kind of, you know, pick what works for you and works for them. Um, and, and there's oftentimes where I'm reaching out to colleagues of ours that we know together and ask them what works for them and how, how would they do this, right? How do you encourage your agents to hold more open houses? What do you do? Okay. Then I'm gonna give that a shot. How do you run your office meetings? Okay. So, um, I'm consistently just trying to improve our game and, and up our, um, level. So, uh, there's plenty of, of, you know, boutique brokerages that offer or, or do something similar to what we're doing. Um, we have also gotten to some of the insular ecosystem space, uh, that it, we can speak on as well, if you would like, but, uh, that has also created us, uh, an opportunity within the company to, um, have multiple streams of income. Yeah. Let's elaborate on that. Cause that is definitely, I think unique in the marketplace. So, you know, if explain it to someone who you're having a beer with, that is not in our industry. What mm -hmm. does that even mean? Yeah. As an auxiliary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I have ownership in an insurance company, mortgage company, and title company. And these are companies that I've used for several years and have a great relationship with. And they have a high level of service and they treat us as a priority, right? So um, terms are competitive. And that was the one thing I would not sacrifice is, is by partnering with somebody else. I did not want to sacrifice service or rates, right? Uh, just because I have ownership in that. So um, with a mortgage company, we are able to control our rates, meaning that it, let's say you were buying a house and you weren't an agent and I had a relationship uh, with my mortgage company, I could tell them, hey, for this guy, we're going to do it for this, right? And um, that's maybe because you have to, maybe because you have to buy down a rate or give some sort of credit because it has to work out. So there's a lot of flexibility and freedom in, in that, and that has a lot of value and naturally capturing some of the money that would come from that business as well allows us to reinvest back in the agents and market for them and uh, increase their business. How is that different than a prosperity mortgage or one of these mortgage companies tied to Long and Foster, these other entities? Yep. Um, this is that in the in a bigger scale, right? You're mm -hmm. you're a more of a boutique at this point uh, for now. Mm -hmm. uh, but how does that compare or, or contrast if I'm an agent on the field? Sure. Uh, I think it's there's a lot of similarities there. Um, I, I as a prosperity home mortgage, there's uh, they can sponsor uh, and market towards other agents in an MSA marketing sales arrangement, um, and they can spend a certain amount of money when the agent contributes, and they contribute um, half of that typically. Um, so that's all similar uh, in that in that regard. Uh, but I think that we have more control because I'm the owner of the brokerage and owner of the mortgage company. I can give direction on what to do. Not that I'm going to do that every time, but in the event that we need to, um, there's more flexibility. Got it. Well, that's that's definitely, I think, unique um, in general. So um, I think that's an excellent. So how many agents do you have? You just started, right, this year, so. Yeah, so we started, uh, so before creating our brokerage, we had uh, 25 agents. Mm -hmm. um, we had then merged with another team uh, in Carroll County and had a few other teams and agents to join us as well. So from conception, we are at 49 agents currently. That's that's a lot of growth. It's a lot of growth. It's almost doubled. 
That's crazy. Yeah. Um, what is your aspiration or goal now that you've created this brokerage and entity? Like, what do you, what's your vision or what do you want or see yep. happen in the next three to five years? So multiple offices, right? Um, we have two and a third pending office and we plan on uh, operating uh, in a few different other spaces, uh, office-wise and location-wise. Um, as many agents says that fits our culture and fits our need, we want to work with. Uh, we are not a company that's going to recruit and call uh, agents and say, hey, you've been doing a great job. I see you've sold a ton of business. We'd love to grab a coffee with you. I will not do that. Uh, these are agents that we have relationships with or uh, work with us in some way. There has right. to be something there, right? right? Um, and so grow organically, grow through others. Um, also in the investment space, we have started a, we have a very cool app that I'm happy to show you later on as well, but we have an investment division in our company, uh, where we have several, um, seasoned vets in, in the investment space and that's wholesalers, contractors, fixed and flippers, hard money lender, uh, and just regular investors that invest in either fix and flip or long-term buy and hold. Um, and we are creating syndication opportunities. Uh, which we are going to the Securities Exchange Commission now and um, getting things together where we can acquire a large asset, let's say it's a $10 million building, and allow investment opportunities to others in the company that want to be a part of this that maybe you know can't afford a single-family home by themselves because of the capital they have, but they can invest a certain percentage into the syndication. They would be considered non-qualified investors, correct? Correct. Don't they cap at 20 um, 20 investors. I'm not sure what the, the number is. Okay. Yeah. So they'd be a limited partner. Yeah. So the only concern I'd have with that is that I believe, um, accredited investors, you can have more, mm -hmm. you have to have over a million dollars in assets that do not include your primary residence. Right. However, if they're non-accredited, that would be, I think a cap of 20. 20. I've invested in these before. Sure. Um, a $10 million building, but it's going to be accredited seasoned. side. So I didn't see the other side. Yeah. $20 million, $10 million building, you're going to have seasoned uh, investors in sure. that space um, for, for the ones that are newer, but want to get into investing. Maybe it's a single family home in Eastern Baltimore County for 200,000. Right. Um, something to that space. But it's better than having a limited, they have limited liability associated with it. It's an mm -hmm. easy way to park the money. Mm -hmm. What I see in that is you're showing additional value and you're teaching what you believe. Exactly. And that's what I aspire to do and continue to do on a different scale um, is just to simply be able to showcase what you've learned. It's like your eyes get wide open when you start like living and breathing and just being in the space. Sure. And you can't help but say, I'm going to get my hands dirty in this. And yep. then when you, like, you make a lot of promises when we bring on people, mm -hmm. specifically with you growing at the rate you're growing, you want to teach, right? Like, so like what drives you? Like what's part of the pitch, the ethos of what you're trying to get people to come to? Mm -hmm. In my opinion, you're dead on. It's not just about a split. Yep. It's also about some of these other non-tangibles. Yeah. Culture is a big one, right? I could probably say, in my opinion, that we probably have one of the best cultures in the business. Yeah. I can't think of another company, maybe one other one, that has a, a better culture. Uh, and I think that people gravitate towards that. And, and how would you magnetic. define that? How, what's a, what's um, that mean to you? I would say it's um, the way we carry ourselves, the way we uh, collaborate with each other, the way we share ideas and, and uh, experiences. And we're an open book. You know, we had a, an investor meeting last month for our um, monthly office meeting. And it was well received, several thank yous, great yeah. feedback. 
because everyone was willing to share their secrets in what they do um, and allow others to do this. There's plenty enough business out there for us to all to get. Sure. You know, share. Is, is, is your future mission to continue to stay in production personally or, is, or do you anticipate in a couple of years maybe referring your business into the brokerage or how mm -hmm. do you see the future? Yeah, so I, I, I don't know how much I would change more than what I'm doing now. Um, I am highly leveraged, right? I typically don't, don't go out and show many properties. I like to meet my client the first uh, meeting with them. Um, but beyond that, we gain the relationship and the trust and I'm there the entire way through. And I have uh, agents that I work with that I trust and, and love and their um, experience and they would show them the properties and give them insight and feedback. And if there's any interest, then we would talk further beyond that. So right. just being highly leveraged and, and I think it will allow me to continue to sell real estate. I, I do enjoy it. Allows me to kind of have boots on the ground, understand what's happening in the market. And I can say to people, this is what you're, you're seeing and this is what I'm experiencing as well. Um, so it's more like just me being in the weeds and in the dirt uh, compared to right. in the clouds, what they say. And right. um, I, I'm not, you know, relatable in, in some capacity. Well, and so just thinking about what else I'd want to ask. So first off, that's an amazing journey you've been able to take over this time. And it's like, you know, I, I, I just can't help but start thinking about the conversations you're having now are a little bit different than what they were a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And so you've spoken to how many agents and about either their lives, their business, what their pains are, what their struggles, where they're successful in mm -hmm. doing. How would you, what are the similarities or what are you typically hearing from people when you sit down and have a conversation to another agent? Are they, do you have commonalities? Is there, is there a common thread between mm -hmm. most of these sure. folks in our industry? Absolutely. How would you describe it? It's, it's, it's balance of life. You know, how, that's how to, the biggest pain point typically. For sure. Yeah. You know, a lot of the agents that don't have leverage because they don't have a big enough business to afford it and justify it. They're in the weeds doing everything that right. you need to do. Right. So you're up uh, every hour of the day and you're doing uh, a lot of administrative tasks that maybe you shouldn't be doing. Um, so a lot of it's that it's it's where they may be is where I was in my journey in 2016, 17 into 18. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, do you also hear folks that maybe it sounds like that's the successful agent problem. Mm -hmm. What about the folks? I mean, how many, what's the percentage of folks that are really successful having those problems relative to everyone else that's selling a few, but their issue is I don't have enough business, right? Where's the business? Mm -hmm. I, in my opinion, I don't have as many interactions you do with that conversation level. I would assume that would be the number one issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, in is this it market, it is. In, in the past two years, you, you didn't hear that, right? Because they were growing at a rapid rate, um, and they have never had a, a you know sold more homes in the past two years. Um, even though this year, twenty twenty three, is projected to be the third highest year in the history of sales of real estate. I heard that it's tough to believe that for it, most people, right? The values are a lot, obviously, a lot different than they were in the nineteen eighties and nineties, right? So it's based on volume and dollar amount. Uh, but if you had more inventory this year, I guarantee you that it would have been probably more than twenty one and twenty two. Uh, which is insane to believe considering where right. rates are. But uh, I think that people understand that rates are not going to uh, change too much. I, I do have some projections of what may happen, but uh, I think that um, give it another year and a half and we'll be back to where the normal 30-year fixed rate in the mid fives would be. And my last guest is a mutual friend of ours, A.S. Rehamanji, right, lender. And so he was giving his predictions and it's similar. So everyone was hoping rates would come down quickly, mm -hmm. right? So, oh, this is painful. We're going to wait. We're right. going to wait a few months. Let's yep. get the dust to settle. Mm -hmm. And eventually you realize, oh, 
if we plan on moving, if we need to move, mm-hmm. we better get on it. Yeah. Because the we, we're not going to wait this thing out mm-hmm. um, indefinitely. Yeah. And yeah. what's going to happen when rates uh, do come down? Prices go up. Yeah. So what did you wait for? It's yeah. the same as you're getting it now. And the challenging part, I think we live in upside down land. I don't know how you feel about it, but when you look at like the yield curve, we're in an inv- inverted yield cur- curve again, which would indicate a recession is looming. Mm-hmm. However, we were in that last year mm-hmm. and that never happened. Yep. But we're at it again. The 10-year treasury uh, notes are selling, like that yield is actually higher than the 30-year. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so all that ne- all you need to know is that people, investors need to be compensated more for shorter term money than the longer term money. Mm-hmm. People are nervous. Investors are nervous. They're speculating. No one knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so I find it to be challenging because I'm having most of my conversations with clients, mm-hmm. um, not agents. And it's challenging to educate and inform someone in such an uncertain time. Mm-hmm. And so you know, do you feel the same struggle that I do? You try to interpret this knowing that even the best and smartest have a tough time explaining where we are? Yeah. I mean, anybody that tells you they know what's going to happen is is not being honest. You know, yeah. we don't have a crystal ball. Uh, however, we are hearing things from other professionals that are more qualified in, in a specialized space than we are. Um, so, you know, there's projections of what may happen, but at the end of the day, we're just giving our honest feedback of what what may happen. Right. And listen, if I had a crystal ball in June and July of 2022, and I knew that rates were going to jump from 4% to 7%, I would have encouraged my buyers to pay $30,000 over asking price, depending how long they plan on staying in the house. If they said a year, then no. If they said seven years, yes, you're going to make the money back in the interest savings in that period of time, right. depending on the price point. Uh, but naturally, it's hard for us to kind of say that because you don't want them to overpay in the case that you're wrong and rates stay the same for another year or, right. God forbid, forever, which would be great for us and, and the economy. But um, things had to change. Yeah. And it's, I find it challenging to be, I call myself like an economist of choice, right? I study this stuff like the Torah, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm on this stuff, yeah. but at the same time, I'm a salesperson. Yep. So it's awfully interesting. And I'm always cognizant of that when I'm watching TV or listening to someone, it's like, where is their motivation lie? So sure. like, is this a salesperson telling me to buy now, buy now? Or right. is this someone who's not getting paid based on the information in which they're giving me? Sure. So I, it's really challenging for me sometimes to to give advice, which yeah. I know to be as accurate as I could possibly provide, mm-hmm. while at the same time not smelling and sounding exactly like a sales guy. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, do you ever feel that, that you know, that struggle? Yeah. I mean, real estate is a, is a long-term game, right? Yeah. So... You're right. There, there are times where, uh, of course, we're sales, right? We are sales persons. Uh, however, there are times where uh, I would ask a person what their timeline is and what their plans are the next one to three years. And if it's we plan on relocating, okay, if this house is not a potential investment property, it probably doesn't make the most sense to buy right. now. You're probably better off renting short term transition to your next property when you plan on living there for the next five years, right? right. Um, if it's a property where it's a potential investment, uh, whether it's a townhome and, uh, or a single family home that isn't a rental space or, or you know, has the ability for that to happen, then of course, go ahead and do it because you can't lose. Yeah, and it, it, that's the best thing. I It's like to piggyback on that idea, it's the reality that if you look at any seven to 10 year stretch in the United States in mm-hmm. terms of real estate, you see stabilization. So if you even bought at the worst of times back at the last crash, um, you know, you could have waited 10 years. Those people today are, none of them are underwater, mm-hmm. generally speaking, virtually Correct. nobody. Yeah. 
So time is your friend in real estate yep. because it's an inflationary hedge. Mm-hmm. So even if you kind of screw up quote unquote timing, mm-hmm. you're fine. As yep. long as you, your holding pattern or your holding uh, length is, is sufficient. Mm-hmm. So that's, you're giving great advice. And I think um, it's something that I, th- I think it's part of our job. The reason our jobs still exist mm-hmm. and we're not completely replaced by robots yet. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Uh, it's because sometimes we have to help people through this decision-making process. Yep. Because otherwise, it'll be really challenging to navigate those waters. Yeah. I don't think that we're going to be obsolete in this business. I think there is a space for uh, the human interaction and and trust. Uh, I do think there's going to be a lot of um, AI and access to resource information. Yeah. Um, So if you wanted to find out about a home and it's all the age of mechanicals and roof and uh, any issues it may have, that information will be readily available for you. Um, but you still need the human interaction to tell you some things about the home that maybe you should know, right. be aware of. Someone to tell you, hey, this is probably not the best buy or this is a great investment. Uh, what's around them? So I think that we'll still have a, a value for sure uh, for buyers. Yeah. My opinion is that we're going to go the way of the financial industry. Mm-hmm. So the financial industry they allowed all this trading online. So you can have a $5 trade, $7 trade. And so a lot of investors lost their jobs Mm -hmm. a lot. And now AI has come into play as well with that. But even prior to that, you could trade online. Mm -hmm. And so the number of financial advisors, you would think that whole business would collapse. Like, why would you pay someone 1% of your value every Mm -hmm. year? It's crazy. That's correct. Um, I always say, I'd like to sell you your home and every year you don't move, I, you need to pay me 1% of that home's value to send me a check if you don't right. mind. That's what your financial advisor is doing. That's correct. Yeah. Um, we get paid once. You live there 20 years. That's, That's right. A little bit different. Yeah. Um, so we're always on the grind, so to speak. But I just think our industry, you're going to have a consolidation. I think I think what we earn one per, you know, per file or per transaction is going to go down. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of homes are going to transact without an agent, not all, mm-hmm. but it's no different than a lot of people go out there and they invest for themselves with their stocks mm-hmm. and they don't want another person. And I think that's going to grow, but I don't think we're ever going to be completely separated because I believe personally, some folks are going to want a human. Yeah. They've been having this conversation for the past decade, right? About disruption in the business and the industry. Um, and if you look at it to, to buy every brokerage in the U.S., it's about like $60 billion, right? This is Remax Keller Williams. Elon Musk uh, could write a check today. And buy the whole real estate industry sure. for $60 million. There has been well over $60 million or billion dollars invested in to try to disrupt and create different opportunities and how they can take control of the market. SoftBank, Amazon, they have pumped in so much money and it still has not happened. So it, it's, uh, I think that it just shows that it's a lot more complex than I think that people think it is. Right. I do think things will change. Um, they, they have changed in the past few years, uh, but I don't think there's going to be an absence of, of humans. Let's hope not <laughs> for all <laughs> no. of our sake. Yeah. Um, so another just idea I have just, you are, like I said, you have the motor of four people. And I want to know just personally, like as a guy that can't, I don't have, I have a great motor compared to most humans Mm -hmm. that I interact with, but compared to you, it's nothing. It's like, so how in the world do you, I don't even, I I want to refrain from using the word balance, Mm -hmm. but how do you attempt to balance or maybe more appropriately counterbalance your life? Because you work, I remember you would work, you'd you'd be just, just pacing till two in the morning working. Sure. It just like never, never stops. I go to sleep at 10 o'clock at night because I wake up, like, I don't know how you're doing it. Right. Uh, so, I mean, first, uh, I try to be mindful of, you know, um, 
exercising and eating correctly. Um, I try to drink 100 ounces of water a day. Uh, I try to be mindful of um, intermittent fasting and, and uh, eating healthy. So that's one part. But then also, it's there's no balance. There's zero balance. Uh, for me, it's it's my wife Cheryl. She's uh, my rock in my life, and she's been a huge support and um, helpful person and uh, and supportive person in the growth of our company. Um, that you know, I would lean on her for a lot of things and have eventually coached her into what I am doing in business is leverage at home, right? Not in every facet because she wants to still be a wife and be a mother and and do things that she enjoys doing. She enjoys cooking. She thoroughly enjoys it. Um, but we have recently hired, you know, someone, a great nanny, mm-hmm. and she's amazing. Somebody I might have known. <laughs> she is My amazing. former nanny. She's amazing. Shout out if she's listening. That's right. Miranda, yeah. you are amazing. Uh, so she is um, helping out significantly in our life. I mean, our life has changed dramatically in the past uh, three months that she's been working with yep. us. And... Um, Mine has also, by the way, That's just great. in the other direction. That's right. Yeah. A little more stressful. No. Yeah. So it's, uh, I couldn't do what I do, uh, and stay married and have a good life and, and also a balance of life of having fun as well. I definitely have my fair share of, of going out and enjoying myself. A lot of it's still networking, but I don't consider it. It's unintentional. It's all because it's hanging out with friends of mine and people that I enjoy the yeah. conversations with. Well, I think it's why you're aptly suited for what you're doing because everybody's your friend it's like a natural thing you're just an outgoing it's not a fake or forced mm-hmm. process with you 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 want to be out and about i think you have fomo constantly i feel like that's correct you know it's like uh, you just can't help it you're but it, i think it's authentic i think the inauthentic uh nature of this industry mm-hmm. is what is allowing you in my humble opinion as to why you're going to continue to be successful is because we're surrounded by the phoniest sons of guns you've ever met. Mm-hmm. And you could see how self-interested they are from the moment they talk to you. Yep. And you're not that way. And That's I right. think um I think that is refreshing for most of us that uh, you know, consider ourselves friends with you. And I think uh, you know, I think that's an amazing quality. I appreciate that. Yeah. So um, you know, congrats for I I think you're gonna eventually have balance, but maybe down the road. Correct. I've always said things of, um, when I get here, it'll be this easy. Okay. When you get there, when I get here, I'll take my foot off the pedal. I don't think that'll ever happen, but what I think is going to happen is that I'll be able to solve more complex problems easier. Right. So getting to a certain level, figuring that out and then just growing. Uh, so I, I've consistently hit ceilings in my business and in my life, which has allowed us to continuously hire more leverage and more support and grow through others. Yeah. Well, I call it the Oprah effect. It's like the idea that not everything in your world has to be done by you mm-hmm. and letting go of certain aspects of the, your life that you've done forever yep. is really hard. Mm-hmm. And it that takes, I don't I don't know how you do it, but eventually you for, you're forced to do it. You have to. And it's also for the better look of the company as well. If I'm doing everything and, and uh, in the weeds of everything without trusting others that I work with, yeah. It doesn't speak to the uh, stability of the company. You know, I, I, not just the company, I'm referring to your personal life. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, we have a friend, mutual friend named Tina, and she was the first to ever tell me that basically you write a list of what you do in a day, figure out which of those items you love mm-hmm. and or which ones are, are profit generating. Mm-hmm. It has to be one of those two. Yep. If you don't love it or it's not profit generating, you take it off that list. You don't do it. And that is, it's easy to say that until you realize that's possible 
And especially sometimes you have to lean into it before you technically can afford it. Mm -hmm. Does that make like, that's like, sometimes you have to take something off before you feel comfortable enough to even write the check. That's right. And then you realize when you write the check, you hold yourself accountable to replacing those hours with productivity hours. For sure. And then it makes sense. That's right. Anything you invest into, you have to, to be, like you said, you have to enjoy it. Yeah. It has to make you money in some way. So be mindful of, of where you're placing your dollars, your hard earned money. Um, and it has to bring you a return in some way. Anything that is not bringing you happiness better be an investment. Yeah. And so let's get to some ideas, right? The Steve Pip words of wisdom, right? We're winding, uh, we're just, I don't know, we're winding down this year. It's like, so what advice would you have for someone, not just yourself, that was my previous question, but to someone else just starting, Mm -hmm. like what, what would you say? are the reasons you've managed to be successful because the odds anyone in this business specifically are dramatically stacked against you. Mm -hmm. So how did, what would you say has helped you do it? Yeah. Well, I mean the, in this industry as a new agent in this market is challenging, right? You're going up against seasoned veterans that are well-versed and well-experienced and typically for the same commission rate that you might be charging. Um, and so what I would say if as a new agent, I would continue to work whatever job you have. And at, at a point where you're able to afford to leave when you have at least six months of reserves, uh, you could then make the decision to do so. Uh, but I would partner with a team, partner with a company that offers a high level of service and support. Uh, I would find a mentor and follow them in their footsteps, uh, hold yourself accountable, have a routine, uh, live by your calendar. And if it's not in your counter, it doesn't exist. Uh, I put everything, even dinners with my wife in my calendar. You have to. Right. Um, that and just be a student and a sponge to the game. Learn as much as you can. Meet as many people as you can. Attend all the networking events that you can. Uh, and, and the more people you add to your database, the bigger your opportunities will be. And that's another, it's another, I guess, everything you just said sounds so darn simple mm-hmm. and it's another kw saying right yeah. it's it's not easy yeah but it's simple yeah. like it really it it sounds really straightforward and one of the things i think that point out to me is to have a schedule stick to it and and actually work take I think, action i think one of the craziest things and i think this market is going to change that but people forgot this is work it's w-o-r-k that's right I swear, I swear to you, people forgot. Yeah, because it was it at a, for a period of time, it was pretty easy right. relative to what it normally was. That's correct. And yeah. then they're realizing, oh my god, this is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for several years, it was service in your business, right? Whatever comes in, you'll help them out by selling. I'll wait till my phone rings. Yeah, correct. And it'll ring, and a lot of them still do that, right? They're still used to the past three years of how business was, or even before then as well. Uh, but what it is now is you have to find the business. You have to be the hunter. You have to put yourself out there and ask for the business. Um, and if you continue the lead generation tools that you uh, are doing now to generate business and you continue it through when the market improves, That's right. uh, even though it is good now, but as it improves, uh, you will capture a larger share of market. Of yeah. market. I think those are words to live by. So, I, I mean, what fires you up at this point? Is there something very specifically that you're excited about in the next six to 12 months? It's growth. It's working with amazing people, working with people that have similar personalities, similar goals, similar mindset. Uh, One thing I do not allow in our company is drama. Uh, I do not want that at all. Uh, I've been there and it is not fun. 
And I want to have a place where people are happy, people are making money, people are investing into real estate, and it is a blessing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, I think Vibe is going to be uh, continuing to grow. I know you continue to have plans, so I'm, I will. I don't know. I'll, I'd love to to continue to talk to you and and I'll interview you again in let's say a year, and we're going to hear all the crazy things that have probably happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a guy that just goes to you went to Costa Rica this week just for a couple of days with the boys. Sure, and you're back, and you probably worked the whole time. Like, so no one even knew you were gone. You just no. like sneak out. No, didn't have to tell people. No, I, di- I didn't need to do one till. I called you, answered on the third ring. I'm like, where are you? It's windy. Oh, it's I'm Did you hear a different ringtone? I did. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was, it's an international ringtone. You should keep that, by the way. That'd be funny. Yeah. You know, what's that, what's that rapper called? Mr. Worldwide? Yeah, Pitbull. Yeah, Pitbull. You could be a version of that. That's go with the Vibe brand. I like that. <laughs> I can handle that. Like, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, boy, I, I'll tell you. So congratulations, like I said, on everything you've done. Thank and you. um, anything else you want to tell the people before we wrap this thing up? Well, I don't know. This is, this, this is the nicest podcast room I've ever been in. <laughs> uh, so uh, thank you, Matt, for having me. This yeah. has been a great experience yeah it's a pleasure i like to chronicalize uh, everything you know you've been able to accomplish and and like i said we'll revisit this and see the continued meteoric rise looking forward to it all right thanks man thanks